Hi, welcome to the ABR podcast. I'm James Jiang, assistant editor at ABR. Author and scholar Kevin Birmingham has shown that books, as much as people, are worthy subjects of biography. This year, he has followed up the most dangerous book, his award-winning account of the battle to get James Joyce's Ulysses published, with *The Sinner and the Saint*, a book about the genesis of another classic, *Crime and Punishment*. In this week's episode of the ABR podcast, Geordie Williamson reads his review of Birmingham's latest study, one which brings microscopic detail and a sense of drama to the composition of Fyodor Dostoevsky's masterpiece. Geordie Williamson has been chief literary critic of The Australian since 2008. There's a wonderful and doubtless apocryphal story related by V.S. Pritchard, the English critic, about Dostoevsky, which describes him as a a cadet uh, in the Academy of Engineers. And he was obliged to design um, a fortress, which he did. It was nearly perfect, but he neglected to include windows and doors. And Pritchett finds this a neat description of Dostoevsky's later life as a writer of fiction. The reader is dropped into the Russian author's claustrophobic world. But Pritchett makes the further point that much of the criticism that has been written about Dostoevsky since 1880 has only made the walls thicker. I think that Pritchett would be delighted by The Sinner and the Saint, Dostoevsky, A Crime and Its Punishment, by scholar and writer Kevin Birmingham, because it is one of those rare works of biography and literary criticism which opens and ventilates something of the life and career of one of the great 19th century novelists. My review of the Birmingham title is called The Trouble with Ideas, How Dostoevsky Wrote His Way to Salvation. There really isn't another biographer like Joseph Frank beside his 2400-page, five-volume life of Fyodor Dostoevsky, the wildest and most contradictory of the great 19th century Russian novelists. Frank set out in the late 1970s, a time when historically grounded literary scholarship was losing favour in the academy, to fix Dostoevsky, 1821-1881, in the complex matrices of Russian history, politics, religion and culture. An author who had been read in the English-speaking world as an hallucinatory thinker, somewhat detached from reality, could now be seen as one fully imbricated in his era and milieu. Frank's project furnished a model to which later life writers might at least aspire. Think of Reiner Stack's exhaustive three-volume Life of Kafka, 2002-2013, which located the Czech fabulist in the welter of Middle European life in the 20th century's early decades, or of Michael Gorer's ambitious The Saddest Words, 2020, a re-reading of William Faulkner's body of work through the prism of the American Civil War. Gora, indeed, provides cover copy praise for Kevin Birmingham's The Sinner and the Saint, a work that replicates Frank's encyclopedism, 
but funnels it into a single storyline, that of the real-life inspiration for, and the genesis and writing of, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, 1866. But why Crime and Punishment, and not, say, The Brothers Karamazov, 1880, or The Idiot, 1869, both arguably greater achievements? Or even Notes from a Dead House, 1862, that hinge work describing Dostoevsky's years in Siberian exile. In a dramatic opening chapter, which zeroes in on the earliest moments of the novel undertaken, while Dostoevsky was trapped, ill and penniless in a hotel in the German resort town of Weisbaden during September of 1865, having lost everything at roulette, Birmingham persuasively argues that crime and punishment is both the key that opens the lock to his late creative efflorescence, quote, four of the greatest novels in Russian literature, in all literature, end quote, and a world-changing text in its own right. Quote, decades later, it seemed clear that the Russian had started a revolution in the artistic thinking of humankind. That's how the literary critic Mikhail Bakhtin put it, he argued that Dostoevsky's novels provide a new artistic model of the world. His novels are gatherings of autonomous voices, interacting with one another beyond the control of an overriding authorial voice. Bakhtin, concludes the author, called this innovation the polyphonic novel, a form that transcends the simplicity of centuries of monologic art, end quote. Birmingham is content to cede to the older formalist critic closer readings of the novel. However, there is another angle he wishes to explore, and that is the way the radically new form inaugurated by Dostoevsky interacts with the world as it is. Quote, a narrative where notions and theories, dreams and hallucinations seep into a criminal investigation, a quest for material evidence of a crime, end quote. St. Petersburg, a Tsar's grand dream of a capital plonked down in a frozen misty swamp, is both the novel's physical setting and an architectural metaphor for the novel's weird meeting of the empirical and illusory. Birmingham's thesis, one that he explores in the coming chapters with both scholarly rigour and a dash of Dostoevsky's own febrile poetry, is that crime and punishment is not a novel of ideas. It is, quote, a novel about the trouble with ideas. Dostoevsky's novel is about how ideas inspire and deceive, how they coil themselves around sadness and feed on bitter fruit. It is about how easily ideas spread and mutate, how they vanish only to reappear in unlikely places, how they serve many masters, how they can be hammered into new shapes or hardened into stone, how they can be aroused by love and washed by great rains and flowing rivers. It is about how ideas change us, writes Birmingham, and how they make us more of who we already are. End quote. Which is to say, The Sinner and the Saint is a book about the way those theories and arguments that surrounded Dostoevsky during his youth and maturity in his native Russia and right across Europe and the New World were absorbed into the author's mental bloodstream and modified in the process. The Sinner and the Saint proceeds, then, as a series of chapters in which an account of Dostoevsky's intellectual development 
alternates with an exploration of the life and crimes of a man who had furnished the model for Raskolnikov, the poet-murderer Pierre-François Lassinaire, 1803-1836. Lassinaire first came to Dostoevsky's attention in the early 1860s, when the author and his brother Mikhail were combing European journals for material worthy of translation and publication in their first magazine. It was in a French collection of infamous criminal trials that the author happened across Lassenaire's 1835 trial for double murder and his eventual execution. What fascinated the Russian about Lassenaire was his determination to provide intellectual justifications for his crimes. In a world where criminals were almost regarded as subhuman species, Lassenaire was a polished product of the French bourgeoisie. He went to university and intended to study for the law. He wrote poetry and was familiar with the radical fringes of early 19th century thought. That such a man might attack and murder in cold blood a man and his mother using a sharpened file and then have the temerity to claim his criminal actions were not only justified but the logical outcome of a society in which inequality was enforced by the state made Lassinaire something new. Michel Foucault considered the attention and even fame granted to Lassinaire as the expression of a shift from public reverence for older folk heroes to that of the bourgeois anti-hero, a romantic criminal whose story prefigured the modern genres of true crime and the novel of detection. But Dostoevsky saw in Lassinaire something closer to home, a confusion of thought and impulses for which he felt personal sympathy but also a degree of repugnance. Birmingham shows how Dostoevsky's time in Siberia exposed him to men who had murdered and yet who were in all other respects ordinary. He came to appreciate that even the most terrible crimes may be committed by individuals caught up in circumstance and the feudal police state of Tsarist Russia had much circumstance to offer. Still, Dostoevsky was fundamentally altered by his time in Siberia in other ways. The Western liberal ideas that fed his youthful political activism, the egoism of Max Stirner, the utopian socialist thought of Pierre-Joseph Proudhon or Charles Fourier, were replaced by a conservative, if idiosyncratic, Russophilia. Western individualism became, for the Russian author, a social disease of which Lassenaire was a morbid symptom. If Birmingham spends the first half of the book laboriously wheeling these opposing positions into line, it's worth the wait. By the time we've circled back to the, quote, small mid-level inn situated among beer houses across from the railway station, end quote, in Weisbaden, the structures of thought and feeling that form Dostoevsky have been exhaustively laid down. What follows is an account of creation in which Birmingham brings microscopic detail and a sense of drama to the composition of crime and punishment. We read of the hunger and desperation the Russian faced at that moment, of the scattered notes and ideas gradually gaining coherence as he wrote by the stump of a candle the hotel servants refused to replace. The ideas came fast. Dostoevsky wrote 50 pages then a hundred, all in a few days. We learn how the author filled his available notebooks, then turned them upside down to continue writing. On some level, Birmingham suggests, Dostoevsky, quote, 
had been playing a game of brigandship with himself, engineering a moment of literary salvation. He had pretended that escaping to Europe and winning at roulette would be his salvation. The hand of God would rescue a virtuous, long-suffering man through the unlikely instrument of a tiny ivory ball. And when the salvation didn't come, when he was utterly ruined, his eyes would be opened at last, and he would realise that he could be saved only through writing. So by the time he picked up his pen in Weisbaden, writes Birmingham, the ink that flowed onto the page had become the product, not of a secular confession, but of a genuine calling. The story taking shape in his notebooks was God's true saving instrument. End quote. If Joseph Frank's biographical project worked like the map of the author's life drawn on a one-to-one scale, the sinner and the saint takes a single mighty tributary of Dostoevsky's career and sails it from mountain source to river delta. It makes for a thrilling ride. Thanks for listening to the ABR podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 per month for digital. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Jack Khalil and Clancy Balin, who edit the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.